Meet Yelp for Restaurants. Not the software company, but the people who love restaurants so much they formed a team dedicated to our industry. Before Catherine joined the customer success team, she managed the modern in New York. Yeah, that modern. Before Julia joined the team, she worked at Oshaval in Chicago for half a decade. Yelp is for restaurants because our people are restaurant people. Meet the new Yelp at restaurants.yelp.com forward slash podcast. Now here we go. The world has changed. And sometimes I feel like, oh, you got to do so much and it doesn't seem like enough benefits or whatever. We're in the restaurant industry, but we're in the people business. And if you don't dedicate the time to these processes and the training and the coaching to care for your people, they're not going to work for you. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. You don't know what you don't know. What kept me up at night, no matter how many hours I put in at the restaurant, were people problems. How am I going to keep the good ones? And what's a painless way to get rid of the bad eggs? And how do I make sure everyone is rowing in the right direction? I feel like I always lacked the resources when it came to human resources. That's why I was so excited to chat with Carrie Luxon. She specializes in creating leaders and building teams. Today, she runs us through the fundamentals of what a successful people program looks like and how we can implement it in a cost-effective way. So honestly, I started in the restaurant industry when I was 15 years old. I went to work for a little Dairy Queen in my hometown of Rockford, Illinois, which is 95 miles out of Chicago. And I didn't really understand it at the time, but this little job really was significant for me. There was some difficulties in my childhood and these franchisees of this little Dairy Queen were really passionate about their business and about the people that work there. And they were very much about stay in school, do good things, you know? So I worked there and then I went to work for a ton of different restaurants. But you, of course, encounter lots of great leaders, lots of not great leaders. I ended up deciding to leave Rockford in my mid-20s. And I wanted to go to Chicago to start a business. I've always had this entrepreneurial fire. My dad was a small business owner. And, and I didn't really have the right experience to do much. And I was just trying to figure it out. And I actually walked into a Potbelly Sandwich Works where I crossed paths with the visionary behind Potbelly, this guy by the name of Brian Kyle. And I was so fascinated. I always loved restaurants. And this is how I've made my living thus far, right? So I walk into this little Potbelly Sandwich Works. They had just opened their third restaurant. And I was just blown away with how the people were. The restaurant was great. It was so incredibly busy. And I was just hooked. And he was telling me how he was looking for this head of HR. And I was like, I don't really know what that is, but I want to do that job. It was about people and finding people. So I went back to research this and I just was so inspired by Bryant as an entrepreneur. And I found the ad and it said, you've got to have this master's degree and 10 years of experience. And I was just like shot down over and over and over. But I was like, what do I have to lose? I want to be a part of something very entrepreneurial like this. So long story short, obviously we connected. He saw something in me that I don't even know that I saw in myself. And he gave me an opportunity when I was 27 years old to start 
this HR department for three restaurants. And so fast forward, I stayed with Potbelly for a little over 10 years. I actually met my husband at Potbelly. He's a restaurant guy as well. And we did some crazy, amazing things. And what I really learned throughout those 10 years is how to operate a business. How to take something or three restaurants when I left, there were about 225. I mean, when I started, there were about 225 when I left. And I really learned what it meant to support operators. And I understood why so many people didn't like HR people. And so I really got skilled at how to provide support, not just guidance. How do you help them? Operators don't have a lot of time. Chefs don't become chefs, so they have to worry about compliance on the HR side or whatever. So I figured out over that time frame how to really support them, get respect from them. And it comes down to, I cared about people. I worked really hard. I figured it out and that sort of thing. So after 10 plus years, my husband had left before me. He is a Dunkin' Donuts franchisee. And so he was just getting started with his Dunkin' brand 15 years ago or so. And I left to take care of my kids and to help him with his business. And I had this vision of helping small restaurateurs with the things that I helped Potbelly with setting up simple people systems. How can we hire great people? How can these smaller restaurant operators have that same sort of support that maybe they can't afford with an HR department or an outsource service? And I sort of started with it being sort of a, not hobby. I was making money, but I was a mom. I hired a girl by the name of Megan Griffiths, who's still with me today. She's my COO. And we were both starting out our families. And we're like, let's help restaurateurs do what we think is so important, which is build great restaurants, organize simple people systems, hire and develop great leaders because it can provide so many opportunities for people from all walks of life, like myself, who didn't have a traditional background. And I know the power in having a business that's a simple run business with powerful, amazing, authentic leaders. And I was like, we've got to figure this out. So when we first started Restaurant HR Group in 2010, we did a lot of staffing stuff. And it sort of morphed into like this recruiting agency, which I didn't want to be. I wasn't a placement type person, but we started there. And then we convinced the operators that they really needed to have a simple handbook, if you will. That's not a true, you know, when you say employee handbook, people are like, what a waste of time, right? But if you use it as more of like a playbook, if you use it as like, this is what we care about. And when we create handbooks for our clients, we really go through the entire life cycle of an employee to make sure we're hitting on all the right things, but we can talk about that later. But so I started out my business restaurant HR group and we've evolved. We don't do any recruiting anymore, but we do a lot of helping our clients with, of course, hiring and retention is a big hot topic right now. Everybody's struggling. So we definitely help them with strategies and ideas and new job boards and different things that competitors are maybe doing that they should be thinking about, but we're not staff in a staffing agency. Instead, we handle the HR payroll and benefits administration for restaurant groups throughout the country. And they are fast food, fast casual, fine dining, some are smaller smallest we have is probably a little under 100 employees that we support. And the largest has 210 restaurants. And how we work with them, it's relatively customized. So that's where we're doing the work. And then there's Carrie Luxum LLC, which is a separate business, is really sort of if people want to call it my personal brand. But that's where I'm really 
capturing those restaurateurs that don't necessarily need us to do the work, but they need help and advice and guidance. And through this company, I'm just publishing my second book. My first book is Restaurant Operators HR Playbook, which is essentially, it's very, I've been told it's really great for like restaurant managers, district managers, the foundational, it's the life cycle of from recruiting determination, and I sort of touch on everything, and it's a playbook, so it's got these activities in the book. At the end of each chapter, you have these activities. So my second book, which is literally coming out this month, it's a soft skills playbook. So it's more on the leadership side, and it's like, here are the 12 soft skills that you've got to develop as a restaurant manager that will help you become a multi-unit operator or a franchisee or whatever it may be. So that through Carrie Luxum LLC, I'm doing a lot more of kind of the consultant type stuff. I'm helping and advising. We do a lot of HR audits. People get so confused and it is confusing. I live this world every single day and it's confusing and complicated to keep up with all of the regulations and things like that. And, you know, we basically guide restaurateurs that are super small or maybe they're really big and they have an HR department, but they don't have time to do a harassment investigation or, or, or that sort of thing. So that is my, like how I kind of rolled into being an entrepreneur. I love, love, love this industry. I think there's so much opportunity and I think it, it oftentimes doesn't have the best reputation, but I will tell you over the years, I've met some of the most amazing restaurant managers, chefs, business owners, franchisees that have changed the lives of people. And I think people think the restaurant industry is where you go when you need some extra cash, but it really can be an amazing career for an entrepreneur, uh, you know, restaurateur, a marketing person. So that's kind of how I've gotten into it. And I just keep growing and evolving. And what can I do to support this industry that I love so much? You mentioned the word leadership multiple times, and you mentioned the word management multiple times. And I think a lot of folks in our industry use those words interchangeably, but they're very different. Can you talk about the differences between the two? Yeah, I do think they're both super important roles. Being a manager is very important. Great managers, they coordinate things, they organize, and they focus their efforts on the tasks at hand. I manage certain things in my business because that's how my business functions. How I make money, I have to do the tasks every day. But a leader is really more focused on connecting with people, making that emotional connection, and really inspiring people through their words through their actions. And it, that's the clear difference. A leader might manage things and a manager isn't always a leader, but I think they do certainly connect, but they're very different. And a manager that understands how, so what often happens, and you you know this, you're in the business, but you take a really great manager of a restaurant and you put them in a leadership role. And that difference in the skill set is oftentimes it's too much and they fail. Multi-unit operators fail at a rapid level. And I think it's because they think because they're managing their business and they really have the tasks down and maybe they're inspiring some of their people, but they don't really know how to be a great leader and what it means to be a great leader. And again, it's to me, it's about making emotional connections with people and inspiring people to kind of tap into the big picture and understand things. It's part being a storyteller and really getting people to trust you. And there's a whole bunch of different soft skills that play into being a great leader. And I do think there are certain attributes that you're born with 
I'm not the most tech savvy person. And I think I was born that way. <laughs> and it's just, I think there's certain things that way, but I do think you can learn how to be a stronger leader. You can practice it and you can do certain things that will help you be able to make those connections with people that maybe you, you don't as well if you're just focusing on managing the day-to-day tasks. In your coaching business, when you're coaching leaders, what are the qualities you're trying to emphasize or bring out in them? What are the qualities yeah. of a great leader? I think the qualities of a great leader are first and foremost being a savvy communicator. My whole thing, my whole brand, if you will, is about simplicity. And I think that's why I do connect with so many operators. I don't it's not about big fancy processes or systems, but you've got to be able to understand your message or what you're trying to talk about so well that you can communicate it simply. Anything gets complicated, of course, you're going to lose your audience, right? So I think communication is key. I think being a problem solver, so many people want things just laid up for them. And I talk a lot about being a problem solver and kind of getting joy in getting over that obstacle instead of just, you know, do I get, of course, I get frustrated when things are not working or when there are problems, but you almost have to enjoy that process. So I think great leaders definitely communicate well. They're problem solvers. I think they're resilient. They're able to kind of handle things that come at them. We were just rocked to our core with this pandemic. The clients that I have that I view as the strongest leaders, they sit up straighter, they figure it out. They are going through this process sort of being optimistic, which is having a positive mindset, I think is another quality of a great leader. I also think being very authentic, and that's a word that people have used over the last few years, so people are sort of sick of that word. But I really think that my husband, for example, he is, I believe, a great restaurant operator. He's a super introverted, very serious guy. He's not over the top, pat you on the back all day, kind of an operator. But he operates Dunkin' Donuts in his tenure there. People stay five, six years. He's an authentic guy. He is who he is. He, he understands who he is employing, he figures out what matters to them and he provides that to them. So so I think there's a whole list of things, but I think really honing in on those things that help you connect with people more, again, the communication, being able to manage conflict. I mean, we work in the restaurant industry and there are so many operators that they're managers and they seem tough on the surface, but they really don't know how to hit things head on. And I will tell you, you'd be surprised with how many of the operators that we work with that you would think would have no issues telling somebody the way it is, but they just don't, you know, and whether it's they don't want to hurt someone's feelings or they don't exactly know how to provide that feedback. I think it's a whole bunch of that stuff. You also made mention of that struggle of moving from a managerial position into a leadership position. And I think we've all been there. We've taken a great lead host and tried to make them a mater d. We've taken a key holder and tried to make them an AGM or a floor manager, and it falls flat. And you also talked about the reasons why and the difficulties around leadership. But what are some of the tools that we can use or strategies that we can employ to kind of groom people in that transition from a manager into a leadership position? I think that's a really great question. And some of the content that I do and some of the books that I write, it's kind of touched on that. But I think very simply, if you're a restaurant owner and you're like, I've got this person that I want to be able to take on more of a leadership role. And again, maybe it's GM to multi-unit, but maybe it's shift leader to manager. This world is filled with 
content and you need to take the time and the effort to care enough about this and research things that are going to help people become better leaders. There are TED Talks that you could go to Google and type in tools to help my manager be a stronger leader. And the things that will pop up, you have to care enough about it to read it, to watch that video. I am forever, I have a team of 20 people and it's a lot of work to keep them engaged and happy. And they're working with multiple clients, but on a regular basis, I create my own content. And you know, not everybody's in the position to do that. I find videos that maybe I found inspiring and I share it and I tell a story. I connect with my people in a way that they get inspired by something that I have gone through in my life that they're going through that they think is a negative or whatever. So tell your own stories, find stuff on YouTube or the internet or whatever, vet it out a little bit, share it, give it some context, provide your own flavor with it. When you become known for doing that, you're just constantly showing that you care about them and you care about their development. And it doesn't have to be costly. It doesn't have to be a training program that you spend money on. If you're a reader, read a book and highlight the 10 things that were most impactful for you. Share them in a shift huddle or whatever it is you want to do, you know? And I think first and foremost, the ideas are endless. And I could tell you, books to read and what to watch. I think it's just really first and foremost, understanding that that's kind of what your accountability is as the restaurant owner or the one managing the team is that I've got to figure out ways to touch the 50 people in my restaurant. Now, it's not an easy task, but you do different things and you show on a regular basis that you care about these things and people are going to gravitate to it. Sometimes I send out something that resonates with half of my team and not the other half, but the next thing that I send out really touched. It's kind of the ongoing effort and it has to be genuine. If you set up every Monday at 11 o'clock, I'm going to send out a gift that everybody's going to be inspired by. It just doesn't work. It's that real genuine passion to teach and to learn and to coach. And I think communicating stuff that you find on YouTube, I think it's being able to tell your own stories and stories of others. I think being really skilled at using analogies when you're having meetings and stuff, there's ways like that that you can really, if you really want to get people to listen, if you just set them up on a learning platform and you say, you're going to learn this today, people are going to fall asleep and not really care about it. So you've got to really understand, like, what's your objective? Oh, I want them to be more comfortable when having conversations with people that are underperforming. So do your due diligence, find as much as you can on that, scale it down and share it in a bunch of different ways because people learn in different ways. Prior to the pandemic, I could barely use my iPhone. I'm a restaurateur, not a tech guru. But over the last two years, we've seen that tech can play a vital role in helping us make more money and save money. And that tech can show up in some pretty unlikely places, like your kitchen sink. Dawn Professional is a detergent and degreaser that can help reduce your labor expense and your overhead on cleaning supplies through leveraging the latest technological innovation in cleaning products. Dawn Professional Multi-Service Heavy Duty Degreaser is specifically formulated to cut grease two times faster versus the leading food service degreasers. While Dawn Professional Manual Pot and Pan Dish Detergent cleans 58% more pots and pans per sink, reducing sink changeover versus the leading competitor's professional dish soap. Save time and money by upgrading to Dawn Professional Manual Pot and Pan Dish Detergent and Dawn Professional Multi-Service Heavy Duty Degreaser from PNG Professional.
Let's talk about benefits. So, yes, I think that everyone cares about nurturing their team. I think that everyone cares about HR to very different degrees, right? In the same way that like every restaurant wants to have great marketing, but to different degrees and it's a different priority for different people. Generally, when we're talking about independent restaurant owners and operators, you're talking about people that are working 80 to 100 hours a week. So in order to absorb bandwidth for anything new, the benefits have to be overwhelming. I'm an advocate for what you do and how you do it. How would you explain the benefits of having a central focus on culture creation and HR and employee benefits that are more intangible? Yeah, well, I will back up a little from that and just say that the world has changed a lot over the course of the years. Where back when I was 15, 16, 17, 20, 25, you thought about work differently. You go work somewhere and you got to kind of do it. The world has changed. And sometimes I feel like, oh, you got to do so much and it doesn't seem like enough benefits or whatever. We're in the restaurant industry, but we're in the people business. And if you don't dedicate the time to these processes and the training and the coaching, to care for your people, they're not going to work for you. This isn't a sales pitch. This is literally just having a care about people. One of the things that I do for all new hires is I have them fill out a getting to know you little document. I just did a video on this on my show. Literally, I want to understand what matters to you and what drives you and whatever, right? And then I try to figure out how to give that to them. And sometimes people just really want to make as much money as possible. And some people want to grow in their career. But I put this effort into like, what can I do? And everybody puts, almost everybody on my team and that we've done this little exercise with says, what matters first thing or maybe second is quality of life. People want to have this balance. This is a very, especially coming off of the pandemic, people are in a different mindset. So you can fight it and not like it and go, well, when I was a kid, I just worked my butt off all the time. And that's just the way I want people that do that. The world has changed until you connect that and you figure out when you invest in training for your people. And again, training doesn't need to mean you spend thousands of dollars on a training program. I am very not sophisticated in how I, I've done the e-learning platforms and stuff, and it didn't resonate as much. They love my team or the restaurants that my husband has. When we do these kind of one-off things or videos from YouTube, it's an investment because it's time, but it doesn't have to be thousands of dollars for a company that pumps out training programs. But I think to kind of go back to your question about how would I convince them to make this investment? If you don't, you're not going to get the talent and you're not going to keep the talent that your competitors are going to get that are willing to make that investment. And it's an ongoing, even in my, you know, I was with Potbelly from like 2000 to 2010. So that was obviously a long time ago. But I remember one of the things that I learned throughout my tenure there was like, you never sort of get there. You create something that you just spend a lot of time on. It's a training program. And then you're like, it's in the groove. And then something happens. You open more stores or something happens and you have to add to it or take away from it and you revise it and update it. And it's sort of like an ongoing investment that you've got to make. And so what I would say to restaurant tours out there, whether you're really small or you're gigantic, there are a level of things that you can do that you can offer to your people 
A lot of times I hear restaurant owners say, well, I only have two stores. I can't really do much for my people. Well, you can and you have to. And if you don't, quite simply, your turnover is going to be higher. You're going to be short staffed, most likely. And you might be anyway. I mean, there are people, I will tell you, we have clients that do get it right. They do take care of their people. They do invest in these things and they still struggle. And so they think, well, what would it be like if I didn't dedicate this amount of time and energy? So I think it's really just going back to being really connected to people as a human. The world is very tech savvy and I'm coming across like I'm anti-tech. I'm not. I'm just not savvy with technology. And I am very much about the human connection. So I think if you can figure out, even if you have really great technology, and there's some great platforms out there that can help you sort of organize all of these things, training and compliance and hiring and all that. But if you miss connecting with people on an emotional level through all of these things that we're talking about, it's just going to be a miss. I want to transition to talking about employee retention. I know the name of the game today is employee acquisition, right? Especially in light of a labor crisis. But I believe the easiest way to fill a schedule is to ensure that existing employees don't quit. And I'm wondering, what are things we can do to become employers of choice? I think it's so important that restaurateurs focus on how to keep their people. And there's so much focus on going out and finding new people. And that oftentimes is the answer. But I think that very commonly, and I think what everybody expects me to say is that you've got to pay well, and you've got to offer great benefits, right? I mean, that is absolutely essential. So that can be health insurance or different perks and food discounts or whatever it may be. So those are sort of the kind of common things that people talk about, and they're definitely important. But in this day and age, it is so much more than that. It takes so much more than that. And I think people today really want an experience. The customers, we spend so much time as restaurateurs focusing on the customer experience. It's so important that you focus on a daily basis on what that employee experience is going to be. And if you do that right, you are absolutely going to have more success in retaining your people. So does that mean to focus on experience with your people? It really starts at the beginning. In the interviewing and hiring process, you have a really structured process to get people through an interview process. You don't take too long. You don't let it drag on. You're a really sort of good first impression to candidates. That means a lot. Then when they come on board, you invest the time and the energy into onboarding them and really making sure that they understand on that first day who you are, what you're all about, what their training is going to look like, what they can expect in their role there. There's been studies that definitely show that when you invest in onboarding, orientation and onboarding, the likelihood of keeping your people longer, it significantly increases. And I know that we're in the restaurant industry and I know we're super short staffed right now. And I know that it seems sort of like on the back burner because I just need some bodies in here. I've got sandwiches to sell or whatever it may be. But when you don't make that commitment to the orientation process, you definitely are checking that box of maybe this person isn't going to stay as long as I want them to. People want to work for a company where they're feeling cared about and where they're feeling like their contribution matters. And if you can't get that right and figure out how to do that, then you're not going to be able to retain people as much as the next guy. People feel really loyal to you because you're loyal to them. They're going to stick around for a long time. I mean, there's so many things you could just go on and on and on, but I think ultimately it comes down to caring enough about the experience that these employees are going to have. You do that by taking the time to 
pull together great orientation and training and hire great people and have simple systems and make sure you're just a good human being. And well, I think that's how you're going to best retain the people. It might not work next year, you know, sure. or the next restaurant or whatever it may be. Let's talk about employee acquisition. So let's assume that we've now got a happy team. Nobody's leaving. How do we improve our recruiting game? I know storytelling is a big tool for you, right? Yeah. Storytelling is a big tool. I think recruiting can be very challenging. Everybody is out there trying to recruit great talent. But I think most people spend a little time creating an ad that they think is creative. They put it on the job sites that they think will get them the most resumes. There's no doubt you put an ad on Indeed, you're going to get a decent amount of resumes. But I think the clients that I have and what I've seen, especially in this day and age with how hard it is with this labor crisis, as they're calling it, is you've got to be really creative. Again, I go back to the amount of effort you put into a marketing campaign to market sure. for customers, put that same level of energy into marketing for people and think about it very similarly, right? So if I try to attract you, Josh, to come and be my head video guy at Restaurant HR Group, I have to figure out, you're not necessarily looking, you got your own gig, you're doing your own thing. How am I going to get to you? And it's not through a job board. You're not looking on a job board for an opportunity. So you have to do a lot of things very well and they don't give you the same results as an indeed ad so what happens is i'll say hey client or whoever's listening to me go out do some social media stuff right tell people what you're doing you're hiring but show a day in the life of what it feels like to be in your kitchen show your people working and then heading off to the cooking class and Get your iPhone out, take a recording of them saying what they love about coming to work every day, and then post that stuff and share it on your Instagram story. And now it's not going to generate 50 resumes for you. It might bring in one over two weeks, but it might be the one person that is going to fill that day shift with that exact. So I think that it gets pushed by the wayside, these non-traditional ways to recruit because they don't bring in the volume that you're used to when you do an online job board. When I think of the clients that I know do this really well that don't really have staffing issues, the first thing they do is they always do this, whether they're fully staffed, which is that really a thing or not, do they ever stop? No. So what are they doing? They're putting their like employment branding stuff out there. It is definitely helping them in terms of their overall branding, you know, and how they go out in the world and sell who they are to their customers. But they're really tapping into their staff and their social platforms and providing them with content that they can share and providing incentives for them when they do share that or refer somebody. And, you know, there's a lot of steps to referral. Referral programs can be amazing, but they can backfire too when you send off somebody that doesn't get hired. So you've got to have a whole plan for how you're going to follow up with everybody. And so sometimes I think that feels like a whole lot of work and it is. But anything that's worth anything, you got to put the effort into it. And people are oftentimes blown away at the lack of great candidates they get, but they don't really put any effort into doing anything differently or creatively to get those people, right? If you think some of the bigger brands, like I know Starbucks is really tapped into the military community. They're on these military websites and they tell their story. And obviously, Starbucks is a very big company. You can be a small guy and do it too. My husband is a Dunkin' Donuts franchisee. He's got you know, a handful of stores and he's trying to recruit in a very specific 
area and he'll do those things. And again, he's not getting tons and tons of resumes, but you get that candidate once in a while that does work out. One of the things that is a, sort of a new thing that has worked for a lot of smaller restaurant groups and midsize is the text to apply app. People are wanting things to happen very quickly. And so when you go to Indeed and you send your resume and you got to wait to come back, well, this text to apply app on the hourly side, at least, is really been beneficial in getting people to you very quickly. If you go, you'll drive by, you see a Chick-fil-A has text to apply here on their signs, whatever. It's a quicker way to get that happening. And I think one of the best strategies, again, I talked about always recruiting is take off your recruiting hat. Just talk passionately about what you do. You're tapped into your community and people will want to be a part of that. They'll be asking you when they can come and work for your company. And I think just talking to everybody, whether you're on your playground, picking them up or you're at the dentist or you're out in the community, talk about what you're doing, talk about what you have going on. You're looking for great people. You can head out to the high schools and community or local colleges and universities and offer your time, talk to them about how you started a restaurant and plug the fact that you are looking for people. There's just so many things you can do, but it takes a whole lot of effort and consistency to do it. So you just have to be willing to do it. But, and I will say as a kind of final selling point on that, everybody says that having the right people and enough people is the most important thing and building a team. If you really believe that you've got to put in the energy and the effort to make that happen. You can't just sort of place that ad, sit back and hope for the best. A fantastic restaurateur that I know named Daniel Shemtop says the mistake that everyone makes is that they are advertising for a job not for a business. And what he does is his whole job ad that he puts out there and what he puts out there on social is, this is the company. This is what we believe in. This is what it's like to work with us. And we're amazing trainers. So if this looks like a company that you would want to work for, you tell us what role you would be interested in, and we will train you in that role. And it's worked spectacularly for him. We also did the recruiting parties quarterly and found them to be massively impactful. We used to turn to the staff and say, if you have friends that are working hourly jobs that could potentially be interested in working here and be a good cultural fit for us, whether they're looking for work or not, have them come by, let's let them eat and drink and experience the whole thing. And then if they ever find themselves in a place where they're looking for a change, we'll be the first employer at the top of their mind, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. So it's not easy, but if you do it right, it definitely is worth it. Recruiting and bringing on the right people is a game changer, as you know, as a restaurateur. This is an industry podcast. And at the end of every episode, I like to give the guest an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. Do you have any advice or words of encouragement you'd like to offer? My whole thing is really take the energy to focus on creating simple systems HR people systems. So what I mean by that is from the very beginning, what are your processes for how you recruit, how you hire, how you onboard, how you handle payroll and benefits, all of the way through termination, performance management. And if you have those systems set up and relatively organized and easy to revise as you grow, people don't have to worry as much about those things and they can focus on the customers and that sort of thing. And that's the first half of it. And then just make a true commitment to becoming a better leader. We all can be better leaders, you know, hiring great people, whether it's crew members, 
ship leaders, managers, and make a commitment to help them become a better leader. And by that, I mean really focusing on, that doesn't mean everybody's going to be a manager. Everybody's going to be a leader in your company, like operationally and multi-unit, but everybody has the opportunity to be a better person, to hone in on their skill set when it comes to communication and problem solving and their positive attitude and really make a commitment to telling those stories and sharing positive messages and teaching people how to be a good person and make connections and build relationships. And I think doing those two things very well, focusing on great systems and strong leadership, you're going to win. That's Carrie Luxem. For more on Carrie, go to carrieluxem.com. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, or check out our other content, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.